What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Pavali coming at you with a different change of pace as we've been going through NBA team lookaheads in advance of the 22-23 season. I feel like I haven't had a chance to address league-wide stuff or address you all personally because I've I've stopped recording pre-intros because they just make the podcast longer and um, it makes my life a little bit simpler if I can just get right in and start editing. Um, so we will continue with the NBA team lookaheads. If you have not checked those out, Head over to our YouTube channel. There's a landing page. I'm doing deep dives with guests on every single team. The series has been um, overwhelmingly positive. I've enjoyed it, and the feedback has been great. The numbers on some of them, not so much. So, again, download those podcast episodes. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube and check out all those videos that we're putting out. But I'm going to get through all 30 teams. It's something I do every year, and I think enough of the listeners show up, um, specifically to the you know the audio-only podcast, that it's still worth doing. And like I said, the feedback I've gotten from Discord members in DMs, um, it's been overwhelmingly positive, so I appreciate everyone who's listening. Um, but if you haven't had a chance, uh, I don't know what medium you're watching us on, listening to us. If it's a pod, if you're getting this via your podcast player, great. Continue downloading every episode, but head over to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I wanted to get 10K subscribers by the start of the regular season. I'm going to miss that mark by a great deal, but we are fairly close to 2K subscribers, so help me get over that hump and, and beyond. Um, but if you're watching on YouTube, Help drum up the podcast numbers too by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Links are in the uh, YouTube description. Um, our YouTube link is in the podcast description. And we haven't had a lot of new members in our Discord lately. The regular season's ramping up. There's a lot of good conversations that go on in there. Um, our Discord link is in the podcast and the YouTube description as well. Uh, I'm putting out a lot of content. I keep saying we, even though as of right now, it's a solo operation. My good friend and colleague, Grant Hughes, I think he's, he's basically a co-host. Let's call Grant Hughes a co-host. I have to add his name to the bio, but we're putting out a ton of content. There have been po multiple pods per day at the moment. Um, there will continue to be a bunch of videos on YouTube uh, and I will continue to do stuff like this. If you have topical suggestions that you'd like to see, please note that I will not be able to probably get to them until the start of the regular season since I'm inundated with these team look-aheads um, and trying to get through them and ensuring that I'm doing enough research and providing you with the most thorough overview of these teams. But yeah, um, subscribe to us on multiple mediums. Help us continue to grow this community. It was a really good off-season for us. Uh, we had some record numbers in terms of total downloads, um, but we do tend to taper off during the regular season when you have more options for content. So I'm asking you if this is your first time listening, throw us the permanent sub on YouTube and your podcast player. Keep coming back. Uh, I try to do as thorough and fun a job of covering the NBA as possible. Uh, so yeah, stick around if, if you're new to the fold. I would really appreciate it. But I think with that, it's time to get to... The NBA GM survey, I've seen some stuff floating around social media, specifically with regards to breakout players, but I haven't really gone through it because I wanted to force myself in between all these other podcasts that I'm recording to record this. And so I'm, I want to go through it. Um, this will probably be a better experience on YouTube just because I'm going to throw it up on the screen, which I'll do right now. Um, but yeah, the NBA GM survey, it's always super informative to see how these executives are thinking and they're not always supposed to be right. They picked the nets overwhelmingly to win the title last year and, look what happened. That's where we begin with which team will win the 23 NBA final 2023 NBA finals. Excuse me. I'm choking. <coughs> uh, we have the Milwaukee bucks are the favorites at 43% golden state. Number two at 25%, the Clippers three at 21% Boston number four at 11%. Um, and it doesn't look like any other teams received votes there. I'm not going to get into the deep dive with the conference rankings that they provide. We might mention them tangentially. I think this is fine. Uh, I don't trust the Clippers with their health, and I'm surprised that we didn't get any like nugget love here would be the team that feels like the biggest snub. 
um, like to receive consideration. Uh, I'm sure part of this might have been conducted before all the drama in in Boston with Ime Udoka plus the Robert Williams the third injury. I'd probably be prepared to I want to say bounce them at this point, but I view the Nuggets as more likely title contenders than the Clippers or the Celtics, and those are the three teams that. I've isolated the most as my championship pick. I, I haven't made definitive picks yet, but Bucks, Warriors, and Nuggets are like the teams that I'm sort of bandying about right now. And there are plenty of others that will fit into maybe even the top tier, but the second tier overall. I think the Bucks or the Warriors, fine pick. I'm just surprised the Nuggets didn't wind up here at all. Uh, very quickly, the GMs had Milwaukee finishing as the one seed in the East. That feels like a good decision. Um, their top six are Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Brooklyn, Miami, and Cleveland. Biggest snub there is probably Toronto, but you have to bounce one of these other teams. I just bounced Brooklyn because I think they're doomed. The top, the top nine in the West, uh, the Clippers followed by golden state, Phoenix, Denver, Memphis, Dallas, Minnesota, LA Lakers, and new Orleans. I would shoot the Pelicans way up there. Um, I think they're a six seed more so than Dallas and Memphis at this point. I think my top six in the West as of right now, this season would be the Clippers, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Pelicans, I'm going to say the Timberwolves and then the Suns. And that's probably a gamble with the way that Phoenix's preseason has been shaping up. The vibes there are just not great. Who will win the MVP award in 2022-2023? Luka's the favorite, received 48% of the vote, followed by Giannis. Joel Embiid at number three, Steph at four. Um, again, no major issues here. Luka has a solid case as, as a great and transcendent player, but also... The narrative might also be in his favor. The Mavs lose Jalen Brunson if they're still really good. Uh, that's going to be a boon for his MVP stock. I've my personal picks. I've narrowed it down to four between Giannis, Steph, Pascal Siakam, and Zion Williamson. I've received a lot of pushback on the other two. Obviously, I get Embiid in Philly, but I just feel like if they're great, it's probably because Harden recaptured form and he might receive a bulk of the credit. Or you're just going to have those two cannibalizing a lot of consideration from one another. And I would lead Giannis or Steph at this point. Um, but again, I, I think Siakam and Zion, one of them will creep their way into that, like Devin Booker or even DeMar DeRozan for most of last season, that layer of the conversation where they're viewed in the, the top five. If you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? Giannis wins this at 55% of the vote. Luca was at number two at 45%. I don't know who else you would pick here because I, I'm assuming you factor in age at this point. So if you wanted to go with just one of the, the rookies from last season and Cade Mobley or Scotty Barnes, I would get it. And if you wanted to roll the dice on Paolo Bancaro this season, I think you could go that route. I don't know that anyone else really f deserves to warrant consideration here. My pick might still be Luca over Giannis because of the age discrepancy, but Giannis is two-way dominance. And he's probably the right pick. So no issues here. Which player forces opposing coaches to make the most adjustments? Steph at one. Uh, Giannis and Jokic at two, Embiid and Doncic tied for fourth. Kevin Durant and John Morant also received votes last year. Stephen Curry winning this, absolutely, when you look at the way that he moves off the ball, um, for sure. And then Giannis is just, he's hes a wrecking ball, but also has an offensive bag despite the criticism. We look at how he got his mid-range going, and um, we've talked a lot about, I had Ty Windish from the Eurostep on this podcast. We talked a lot about 
maybe he's someone who can also not just be reacting to defense and taking his mid-range shot or, or three-pointers, but maybe those become not go-to shots, but shots he looks to get, and he's taking them at this higher processing speed. That'd be an absolute game-changer. I think Embiid is dominant when healthy. It's the same with Luka when you look at how many bodies they throw at him or when they have to pick him up or where they have to pick him up defensively. And then Jokic just, with his passing, I even think his handle's underrated at this point. Um, and then on top of that, as just a scorer, as someone who can hit threes, who's comfortable pump faking out of threes and dribbling down the lane, who can also torch you in the post, has the somber shuffle there. Um, I don't have, I don't know that I would, you know, Kevin Durant is just like, I don't know how you adjust. He's tall and if he's healthy, he'll shoot up and hit shots over you. I don't know that John Morant forces the most adjustments, maybe because of the acceleration at which he plays. I think Curry's the right answer. I'd probably have Giannis and Jokic tied for second like they are here. And beat and Doncic make a, a ton of sense there. Which players most likely have a breakout season? Evan Mobley won and then won this with 21% of the vote. Tied for second was Cade Cunningham and Anthony Edwards with 17% of the vote. Zion was at 14%. Also receiving votes here, wild. Anthony Davis entering year 11. Rudy Gobert entering year 10. Jalen Green, Tyrese Halliburton, Jonathan Kaminga, Tyrese Maxey, Ben Simmons, also a little bit weird, Anthony Simons, and then Franz Wagner. It depends on, I don't, breakout is subjective here. I will say including Davis and Gobert, and even probably Simmons is really weird unless you think that, excuse me again, Ben Simmons turning into a jump shooter is all of a sudden going to be a thing, or he he can play a bunch of center and be like a great screen and roll guy. Um, so I, I kind of understand his maybe a little bit more than Davis or Gobert. And even just like, what do you mean by breakout? Because Mobley and Cade Cunningham already look like stars. Zion Williamson was in the All-NBA discussion his last healthy season. I think more in the spirit of this exercise would be like a, a Jonathan Kaminga. When I look at breakout, where it's someone who had like a very scaled back role last season. Tyrese Maxey would be a good example here. We're not talking about the most improved player. But look at the, the season Tyrese Maxey had last year compared to his rookie season. I think that's more in the spirit of this exercise. And I think Jonathan Kaminga is probably a good pick there when you're considering just like and that would even by the way using this criteria for me that would even um like eliminate guys like rj barrett from the discussion like i think maybe you could go with a bones highland if you really wanted to killian hayes might be in the spirit of this exercise although the, the footage on his jump shot does not look very good maybe even a sadiq bay um but someone who's going to make the tyrese maxi type leap this year and so kaminga feels most in the spirit of that exercise I don't know what to do with, I think James Wiseman could be in there, but what are you using as his, his actual baseline? Um, maybe some people name like an Alperin Shangoon here. There's, there's Jalen Smith that you can consider. Um, so just looking at sort of like Zaire Williams might be a good one. You're tr I'm trying to look at young players that had smaller undefined roles last year that are going to come into more prominent roles. It doesn't mean that they need to win most improved because I think most improved, you can win at a higher level where Steph during some of his MVP campaigns, I think could have and should have won most improved player. Um, ditto for probably aside from the time that he actually won. I think he won the award anyway, but Giannis, like I, I think that you can win that award at a higher scale, but breakout I view as just someone who's not a household name and sort of comes out of nowhere. Even a Jalen green, he played like an all-star for half of last year, but he's not necessarily going to come out of nowhere um, because of how strongly he finished the season and his draft profile. And certainly Anthony Edwards, Cade Cunningham don't fit that bill. It would be like Quentin Grimes with the Knicks. If you think that Thibodeau might actually play him a Trey Murphy, the third in new Orleans, um, although their rotation is just sort of jam packed. there. like, he Trey Murphy makes more sense uh, in from new Orleans than Zion to me. If you're talking most improved, 
Sure. But like breakout, uh, I think that other names that I dropped are more so in the spirit of that discussion. And I don't know how you feel about putting rookies in there. Maybe if they're just sort of like, you know, uh, Tari Eason from Houston, that might be someone who could qualify here, but you're Jabari Smith. No, because he has such a higher draft profile. And so he's not necessarily coming from anywhere. And I might even look at someone from the Spurs. Josh Primo would be a pick here for me. Then Vassell is probably a little bit, again, maybe even too high profile. Same with Keldon Johnson. Um, but those are, I think are the types of names that we should be looking at. And maybe if you're even looking at like rookies, Walker Kessler, in Utah, you kill Alexander Walker. If you're still a believer, he's not a rookie. Obviously you want to, um, I want to make that clear, but yeah, that the breakout one, I found the most confusing. And again, it's open for interpretation. Like Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert. If you want to talk about just young players who are going to make a leap. Okay, fine. Um, but they are not in the spirit of this exercise at all. Who's the best point guard in the NBA? Steph at 72% over Luca at 14%. Uh, I think that's still fair, and Steph would be my pick as well. Who's the best shooting guard in the NBA? Devin Booker won it with Luka at number two, Steph at number three. Positions are so malleable now. We should probably be going with guards, wings, and bigs. I think would probably be the best way to break it up if you want just three separate categories. Uh, Devin Booker for the shooting guard. Luka and Steph wouldn't factor in for me. Let me make that clear. Uh, James Harden would be there. He got votes. Uh, So did Bradley Beal. Jason Tatum in Boston, I've never really considered. I guess he is technically there, too, in some of their starting lineups, but that could also be Jalen Brown. Uh, who's the best small forward in the NBA? This one's more interesting. Kevin Durant at one, Jason Tatum at two, Luka at three, LeBron at four, Kawhi at five. Uh, I wouldn't include Luka in this. Again, he would be in the point guard discussion for me. LeBron, you could probably make an argument, should be there, too, but he is usually playing with someone who's a point guard, even though Luka played with Jalen and Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I would go with LeBron or uh, Kevin Durant is probably better, but are we factoring in health? I don't, I, this, this pick is too difficult, but I might, if we consider LeBron a three, I would go with LeBron. I'm just, I'm going to be clear on that. If we don't, then I'd probably go Kevin Durant. Who's the best power forward? Giannis. LeBron is at two. Kevin Durant's at three. Again, this is why positions are funny. Giannis is the answer uh, for me. If we're going by specific positions, best center, Nicole Jokic at one at 79%. By the way, Giannis had 86% of the power forward vote. I don't even think that's a competition, even when you're pitting him against LeBron. The best center, Nicole Jokic, 79%. Embiid at 17%. Giannis at 3%. Uh, Giannis should not be there as the center, especially because the Bucs have tried to lean out of the small ball. But Nicole Jokic, that would obviously be my answer. I think Rudy Gobert at number three or Bam at number three is where you'd want to go, but I haven't beaten Jokic both ahead of them. I don't know how you factor in Towns there. Are they both going to end up like having an even split of their, like, nah, Towns is going to have to play more power forward this year, even when they're they're staggering him and Gobert. So he probably shouldn't, he would be in the power forward discussion more so, which he would probably be in, in my top five power forwards. Let's see how he ends up working out there. Highest percentage of total votes on position questions. This is an interesting category. Giannis and Steph tied for first. Jokic was third. Luka fourth. And Kevin Durant fifth. Those are probably the right five players. I just think Luka, Jokic, Curry, and Antetokounmpo getting the most consideration across all positions makes sense. I'd have LeBron over KD there still. Which team made the best overall moves this offseason? Cleveland won it at 41%, Minnesota at 17%, Philly at 17%, and Utah at 17%. So those three teams tied for second. Minnesota, Philly, Utah. The Celtics and Kings also received consideration. The Cavs are the answer for me. I'm so unbelievably drunk on this team. If they're going to be healthy, I think they're a top four seed in the East. The Timberwolves come pretty close, but just because they're in the West, it kind of looks like it's just tougher pathway for them. And they gave up so much to get Rudy Gobert. And 
so the Cavs didn't get Donovan Mitchell. Let me make it clear. But the Cavs are still more malleable. And the other thing is just the Timberwolves are investing so much equity in a pairing that it should work definitely in the regular season, but we have a lot of postseason questions about them. And so it feels like they have more implosive potential, even if I wouldn't predict that it's not going to pan out. Which one player acquisition will have the biggest impact? Donovan Mitchell won it with 59% of the vote, followed by Rudy Gobert at two, 31%. Jalen Brunson was three. P.J. Tucker was four. Donovan Mitchell's the right answer, I think, uh, just because even with Darius Garland, Everett Mobley there, he'll still have so much agency over the offense. And the Cavs' biggest issue last year was half-court creation. We saw it as the season progressed without Colin Sexton and even more so. So I do think it's Donovan Mitchell. And then Rudy Gobert is the right answer for number two. Uh, and then you could maybe make a case for Brunson over Gobert, but I just don't know if he's going to have enough space to operate in New York or if the pecking order gets a little too fuzzy. Uh, but he he's still third. I'm trying to think if there's any other. I probably would have had Malcolm Brogdon over uh, P.J. Tucker just because Tucker opens up, I guess, different lineup combinations for Philly. You look at their moves in some. I think they're a better candidate to have a better overall offseason than any singular move when you just look at the players they brought in. And so I would put Malcolm Brogdon, I think, ahead of uh, P.J. Tucker here, maybe even ahead of Jalen Brunson, but Brogdon, more of a complimentary role, but just giving you know Boston another guy who can knock down threes, can be moved around positionally on defense, and then maybe attack set defenses as well when he's on offense, get going downhill. That's something that could help them in the playoffs. What was the most underrated player acquisition? Brogdon won this, followed by P.J. Tucker and John Wall in second place. Deanthe Melton at four for Philadelphia, then Bojan Bogdanovic in Detroit at five. Uh, also receiving votes, Will Barton, Monty Morris in Washington, KCP in Denver, Rudy Gobert in Minnesota, Jeremy Grant in Portland, Kevin Herter in Sacramento, DeJounte Murray in Atlanta, Royce O'Neal in Brooklyn, um, and the Nets not trading stars got votes. That's actually hysterical. I'm actually surprised that DeJounte Murray wasn't in the biggest impact. I definitely put him, when you look at what he can do defensively and maybe how he changes the way that Trey Young plays, perhaps you can argue that's a detrimental impact. It's still a pretty big impact. I might even put him, he'd definitely be ahead of Tucker for me. I'm surprised he didn't get more consideration there. Uh, the winner here being Malcolm Brogdon, I'd say is fine. I don't know if that would be my answer. Uh, De'Anthony Melton shouldn't be so high for Philly I don't think, because you don't want him to be your primary ball handler. Bojan Bogdanovic in Detroit might actually be my pick because of the way he opens up the floor for Cade Cunningham, and that's just going to be so dangerous. If you have you know Cade playing with Durin, um, or I guess even Nerlens Noel, however they want to factor in their big man rotation, that's just going to open up the floor for a lot of interesting options at the pick and roller when he's trying to find guys like Marvin Bagley the third too, in the half court. I might go with Bojan Bogdanovic as the most underrated offseason acquisition. If you think they're just going to flip him again... Um, yeah, that's I, I can understand not picking him. KCP in Denver, even Bruce Brown in Denver. It doesn't look like we're uh factoring we're only factoring in trades, it looks like. No, because PJ Tucker's here. So and John Wall, I might have like that in Denver because of what they're able to do with their lineups and defensively. And so um I don't know that that makes them they don't have to be the most impactful, but being underrated, I don't think we're talking enough about the offseason Denver had anymore. And I definitely I mean, even DeJounte Murray's acquisition in Atlanta might be underrated right now but Boyan in Detroit for me and then KCP slash Bruce Brown in Denver not DeAndre Jordan in Denver let me make that clear which team will be most improved in 2021-2022 the Clippers win at 41% it's amazing what can happen if you think Kawhi is going to be healthy 
the Cavs, the Pelicans are tied at second, and then the Minnesota Timberwolves at four. Also receiving votes were the Nets, the Pistons, the Blazers, and the Kings. If you're looking at raw win totals, it's probably not going to be the Clippers just because they'll still be the maintenance program. A better pick would be New Orleans to me, getting Zion back, having Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado entering year two, a healthy Larry Nance Jr., a full season to go through with CJ McCollum, him having gone through training camp, Brandon Ingram, if he's defending for a lot like he did last year, and then just how far his offensive game has come since he's been new in New Orleans. I think they'd be my pick. You could also go with, okay, well, we're looking at some of these teams that bottomed out or just weren't good. The Kings or the Blazers would be the um, the raw pick there. But in the spirit of the exercise where it's not, oh, they sucked so much or were just so low, I, I think it's New Orleans, and that would be my pick pretty clearly. I, I go with Sacramento, too, I would consider. I don't think they're, they're going to be a terrible defense. I don't even know if I have them in the play-in just yet. But they're a team where it's like if they were hovering around 500 or better, it wouldn't shock me. I do feel like we're almost underrating the impacts a bonus can have and how good Fox was to close the year uh, last season. And they've just surrounded them with so much shooting. If Keegan Murray, he looks good if he hits. The Kevin Herter trade, I think, functionally was was really good for them. You can question about the opportunity cost. I think it ends up being fine anyway. So, yeah, I would go with the Pelicans, and the Kings might be my second one. I'm surprised, I guess, the Knicks didn't get it some consideration here just by having Jalen Brunson and a real point guard. Um, I do get the skepticism, of course. And if you're talking about maybe Orlando with Paolo Bancaro or even the Pistons, they could factor in here as well. But I think my top two picks would be, and again, Cleveland, I'm so high on them, but just they're working from a higher baseline than the Pelicans were last season after you know we watched them start 3-16. and 16. So Pelicans are my pick just because I think they could actually end up being pretty good defensively. Uh, given how well Willie Green had them defending in transition for like three quarters of the year, whatever it ended up being. Uh, then the Kings. I don't, I feel very, I don't trust me saying the Kings. No one should trust me saying the Kings, but it might be the Kings. What was the most surprising move of the offseason? Rudy Gobert to Minnesota and Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland were one and two respectively. Rudy Gobert to Minnesota got 47% of the vote, 43% went to Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell's my pick just because everyone thought he was going to the Knicks and even the other teams that were mentioned, we heard Washington and Charlotte more than we did Cleveland at points. The Heat were mentioned tangentially. The Cavs were a sleeping giant. When you look at the offer that they were able to put forth, maybe we just didn't believe that they would go all in on Donovan Mitchell, but they were always like, once the trade happened and you looked at it, they should have been a more rational destination. It still came out of nowhere because he was just, Mitchell was penciled in to go to New York. He even said it at his press conference. Gobert to Minnesota was still shocking. Um, we knew that the Timberwolves were poking around all bigs and I, Gobert's name, I believe, had been tangentially mentioned. But I'd always expected that they would go like the, oh, do we give up like a first round pick and a young player or like two first round picks for Miles Turner? That type of route rather than, oh, we're going to lean all the way into this and really get an all-NBA center who's going to cost us basically our entire future uh, draft, all of our, like our entire future draft equity. So that, it was surprising, but just Mitchell, it was painted as fate complete uh, to Cleveland. Maybe Gobert's more shocking if you weren't sure that the Jazz were even going to blow it up, and it became very clear once they moved him that Mitchell would be on the move at least. So there's a case, but it's still Mitchell to Cleveland for me. Who will win Rookie of the Year this season? Paolo Bencaro, I think he would be my pick. Love Keegan Murray in Sacramento as the second place drop here. Jabari Smith is third. Uh, last year, Jalen Green won it. So just to reference these people, they, they can be wrong. I don't remember who my rookie of the year pick was last year. Uh, it definitely wasn't Scotty Barnes. I'm going to tell you that much. It might have been Cade Cunningham. Palo Bancaro would be my pick too. 
I'm trying to think of like what would be a good dark horse to win this award when you're looking at rookies. Uh, like I've I've given him some thought to like Tyre Eason and Phoenix, depending on how much he actually plays and, and like he could have just this massive difference. Um, I think Jeremy Soen in San Antonio is a really good sleeper pick for this, by the way, someone who moves the ball around a lot. Um, his offensive game is unrefined and undefined too, but he can be moved around positionally on defense. I expect him to even play some center, but we could also see him defending at the point of attack. And he's just going to play a ton in San Antonio. Uh, maybe he won't have the counting stats to really get people in his favor. I would love it to be Shaden Sharp, just sort of coming out of nowhere in uh, Portland. They're trying to win, but they're also going to play Shaden Sharp a bunch. I just don't know if that's going to be the case for them. Chet Holmgren clearly would have factored in here, but him being injured, that just really blows uh, Keegan Murray's a good runner-up pick. I just don't know if he is he on the level of sleeper. I think Soen would just be my if it's not going to be like one of the reflexive answers here. You know, even a Benedict Mather is not a sleeper. He might be a good pick though. Um, I would probably go with Jeremy Soen as just sort of my my sleeper pick, but I would give some consideration to Eason. Uh, I do wonder if Jaden Ivey becomes a sleeper pick since we know how Dwayne Casey tw- tends to bring along youngsters a little bit more slowly, and there are questions about his fit with Cade. Uh, I just don't view him as a sleeper. I mean, he was drafted so high. I'm more so looking at like outside the the top seven. Is there anyone that can just come in and and party crash this? So I'm going to go with Jeremy Sowen as my sleeper with also Tari Eason caked in there a little bit. Which rookie will be the best in five years? Paulo at one, Chet at two. Those were close. 31% for Bancaro, 28% for Chet. Jaden Ivey was tied for third with Jabari Smith. Keegan Murray at five for 7%. Dyson Daniels could also be a dark, uh, probably won't play enough in New Orleans, but also receiving votes was Dyson Daniels and Benedict Matherin in Indiana. Uh, last year, the pick was Evan Mobley and John Schumann, who does this for NBA.com, put the five years ago one, which was Josh Jackson. Wild times. I bet you I was probably all about that five years ago. Uh, Palomar Carroll feels right. I think Chet Holmgren at number two feels right. I would probably have like Keegan Murray, Benedict Matherin, and Dyson Daniels higher on this list, but maybe I'm I'm underrating Jabari Smith's defense there. I just don't have a great feel for what Jaden Ivey is going to be. I almost view him as someone who there will be no in-between for. I could see an outcome where maybe he's better or as good as John Morant, but if he's not, if he doesn't even sniff his highest end outcome, is there an in-between for him? Is he just too hard to fit in in certain offenses, um, too reliant on his explosion to where the craft isn't there as much? How does he do defensively? So I might have Jabari Smith ahead of him still and Benedict Matherin and Keegan Murray and Dyson Nails are all guys that I would consider. After that, it's what I say Jeremy Sowen's gonna, you know, be the better player. I, I don't think he's gonna profile as featured. And that's Dyson Daniels might be a stretch there too. And even Keegan Murray, but Benedict Matherin very much could be in that equation. Which rookie was the biggest steal where he was selected in the draft? Jalen Dern and Tari Eason. Um, won this. Dern was at number 13 and Tari Eason was at number 17. They both got 14% of the vote. AJ Griffin, Shaden, AJ Griffin, who was 16th overall, Shaden Sharp, who was 7th overall, uh, they tied for 3rd with 10% of the vote. Tied for 5th, Jaden Ivey, the 5th overall pick, Keegan Murray at 4th, and Jalen Williams at 12th in Oklahoma City. Also receiving votes, Marjan Bochamp at 24, uh, Malachi Branham at 20, uh, Christian Braun at 21, Dyson Daniels at 8, Jaden Harvey at 37, Kenny Lofton Jr. undrafted. <laughs> That's a good one. Tyrese Martin at number 51, Benedict Mathurin at 6, and Peyton Watson at 30. Uh, I would gravitate more towards like end of the lottery. I'm not going with Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp or even Keegan Murray. Jalen Williams is a good one for Oklahoma City. I will say Marjan Bochamp needs to be in this discussion, and I really can't believe that not even Jeremy Sowen got 
a lot of votes. Maybe they just don't trust him to round out his offensive game. Who is the best international player in the NBA? It's Giannis at one, 57% of the vote, followed by Luka, 28%, Nicole Jokic at 16%. My hot take, and I'm not sure if this should be a hot take, is Nicole Jokic to me should just be above Luka. Uh, I'm just, there are more things he does on the offensive end. Um, like the value, it's not just of his passing, but maybe I'm just looking at him as more dynamic for his position, and that's unfair to Luka. And I know a lot of people don't view Jokic as someone who could take over a playoff series, even though that's kind of just been proven wrong. Uh, I trust Jokic probably more defense when you just look at his hands and how high he's able to play up at points. I think it should be Jokic. That's not an insult to these guys. If you put any one of them at number one, I think there's a clear argument. Who's the best international player not in the NBA? Victor Wembanyama at 45% already, followed by Nikola Mirotic. Um, that makes sense. Um, I don't want to butcher the pronunciation of these players, so I, I won't even name them afterwards. Um, and I should know the third one because I've heard of him. It's like Besai Micic. Uh, I probably butchered that. I very much apologize. Is it Victor Wembanyama already? I guess it could be Nik- like Nikola Mirotic uh, as well. That's just someone I think that these GMs probably know. Um, but last year, Nicole Miritich did win the award. So um, let's just go with Wembenyama then. I mean, his the footage I've seen of him, which isn't a lot, he just looks like he's going to run roughshod over the NBA. Uh, who's the best defensive player in the NBA? Giannis getting 48% of the vote, followed by Draymond at 24%, followed by Rudy Gobert at 10%. Bam, Drew, Kawhi, Ben, and Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins got a vote for the best defensive player in the NBA. Did Andrew Wiggins have a vote? Like, was Andrew Wiggins part of the GM list? Who voted for Andrew Wiggins? Identify yourself. Andrew Wiggins, even one vote? Come on. Um, I don't have a problem with this order. I might have probably gone Draymond. Uh, Rudy Gobert, you could make a case for too. But if you're really factoring in the playoffs here, Bam probably deserves a little bit more consideration than Rudy Gobert. Uh, those four guys would be the only ones I consider, unless you really think Ben Simmons is going to bounce back. Um, even him, though. Kawhi, maybe. Uh, but Giannis, Draymond, Rudy Gobert, Bam should definitely be the top four. I'd probably have Bam ahead of Rudy Gobert if you're factoring in the playoffs. Who's the best perimeter defender in the NBA? No, Mark is smart now that I'm seeing this one list as the best defensive player in the NBA. He just won Defensive Player of the Year. Who's the best perimeter defender in the NBA? Mark is smart at one, Drew Holiday at two, Kawhi Leonard at three, Mikael Bridges at four. Also receiving votes are Paul George, Ben Simmons, and Andrew Wiggins again. What is What is this? What is this? You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. This is this is why this stuff is, thank God it doesn't actually matter. My fucking God. That is, Andrew Wiggins is not one of the five best, four best perimeter defenders in the NBA. He's certainly not the best defensive player in the NBA. Does he have a relative who's a GM that I don't know about? I need to know. Someone get at me. Uh, I don't have a problem with the way this order shook out. I'm a little bit disappointed Mikael Bridges didn't get more than 7% of the vote. Uh, but if you were going to cake in a healthy Kawhi, I'm probably so shocked he didn't get more than 10% of the vote. I'd probably have him above Drew, but like these are the names. And I don't know where to put Paul George or Ben Simmons in this. Herb Jones Jr. Or Herb Jones. Why did I just add a junior there? Is he Herb Jones Jr.? I get really, as people on this podcast know, like I will get really tripped up on the names. No, it's not junior. Um, and I've been told not to call Trey Murphy, Trey Murphy the third either. So Herb Jones, how is he not on that list? I, I think... After year one, I totally get it. But he certainly deserves to be on here more than Andrew Wiggins does. My fucking God. I just can't believe this. Who is the best interior defender in the NBA? Rudy Gobert, Minnesota. Giannis at two. Draymond at three. (sighs) Rudy Gobert is probably the right answer. And Giannis does so much other stuff on defense. 
And I guess Draymond Green does too. But when you also just look like how important Draymond is, is someone who is, you know, directing what's happening on the back line and making all these reads to whether he needs to move out of the back line. Like Draymond Green is among the players who makes watching defense cool and entertaining. And Rudy Gobert and Giannis can be too. I'm wondering if it needs to be him, but I think the versatility of Giannis and Draymond Green hurt them here. It's just Rudy Gobert is very much an interior defender. He's held up fine on switches for his career, but that's not his primary responsibility. Who's the most versatile defender in the NBA? Giannis at one, Draymond Green at two, Bam at three. Also receiving votes, Mikhail Bridges, Paul George, Jaron Jackson Jr., Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, Ben Simmons. This is definitely the category where Jaron Jackson Jr. should have been mentioned. I don't know that I have him in the interior, even best defensive player overall, but certainly most versatile. Um, this is fair order. I might have Bam. Just I'm, I'm shocked he didn't get more than 7% of the vote. I also might have Mikael Bridges here when you look at his on and off ball stuff. I know the scope of his positions, like how he's not going to handle bigs or necessarily be like help uh, a super high volume help rim protector. Uh, Bam, though, might need to be is he above? No, it's not, he's not above Draymond, but I do think it maybe it's a little bit closer. The gap between him, Draymond, and Giannis is smaller than we see here. Who's the best defensive team in the NBA? The Celtics win with 69% of the votes. Oblig obligatory. Nice. Golden State Warriors at two with 10%. Tied for third, Milwaukee and Miami. Also receiving votes are the Clippers and the Grizzlies. I think it might be the Warriors here for me. Maybe you're worried they're going to be too reliant on Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody this season. Um, and I can't, can I pick the Warriors after saying Andrew Wiggins isn't the best defender in the NBA? Uh, I would say Milwaukee deserves more consideration because they have two just premier defenders in Drew and Giannis. And even maybe you throw Brooke in there, but if you're worried about his health and, and sort of the ring, wing rotation overall, I get that. Boston does feel like the right answer, but the Robert Williams, a third injury. I'm wondering if that changes the calculus at all. Still having Al Horford, Marcus Smart, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Tatum and Brown, probably the right answer here. Coaches, who's the best head coach in the NBA? Eric Spolstra, 52%. Steve Kerr at 22%. He was second. Tied for third, Greg Popovich and Monty Williams. Fifth was Tyron Lue with the Clippers. Also receiving votes, Mike Budenholzer and Taylor Jenkins in Memphis. Wow, how about that? I'd probably agree with it being Eric Spolstra. For me, I'm just not, I'm surprised Chris Finch didn't get a little bit more love here. I'm more just, I guess, any love at all. Uh, Tyron Lue being behind Monty Williams is a little bit surprising, especially how Phoenix is, if he really didn't, this might've again, unfurled before we got that news, but he wasn't like talking to Aiton or trying to repair the relationship. Apparently uh, I don't have a problem with the top five though. Uh, I might be, I'm just probably surprised that Tyron Lue is behind Monty Williams is all. Which head coach is the best manager, motivator of people? Steve Kerr at number one, Monty Williams at number two, Eric Schwellscher at number three, followed by Tyron Lue and Greg Popovich tied at fourth. Also receiving votes, Willie Greens and Taylor Jenkins in Memphis. Um, I think Willie Green probably deserves a little bit more consideration here. But again, I can't quibble with who appeared there. I do wonder if Monty Williams should be the one that's just like here. Because even when the Suns were bad, like he really seemed like he instilled a, a culture there. And Steve Kerr hasn't dealt with a ton of bad Warriors teams, but was he like a great motivator when the Warriors had that two-year gap year? Don't have a problem if he's the pick, but that would be food for thought there. I probably would have went with Monty Williams, though that pick is maybe invalid now because of the way things just shook out with, yeah, is how responsible is he for what's going on with Jay Crowder? How responsible was he if there's any disconnect between DeAndre Ayton? It feels like Robert Sarver is more responsible for the eight and stuff than anyone, but I'm just, I probably would have thought Monty Williams would have won, but maybe just the way Phoenix collapsed last year in the playoffs. Which head coach makes the best in game adjustments? Tyron Liu, uh, overwhelmingly, 55% of the vote at one. Eric Spolstra, Nick Nurse at number two. Um, Chris Finch in Minnesota, I would have thought would have been higher on this list. Rick Carlisle in Indiana got consideration as a Jason Kidd in Dallas. Wow. 
That's a little surprising. I get Lou. I might also sometimes feel, and I've talked about this with Alana Tahauer on the from Five Reasons Sports when we did the Heat look ahead, and she's felt this way for a long time that Eris Palostra is a genius, but can also be a little bit too rigid in what he's doing. I would have thought that maybe Chris Finch, um, especially when you look at his offense, would would have made this list. Which head coach runs the best offense? Kerr at number one with sixty two percent of the vote. Chris Finch at number two, fourteen um, percent, and then Boonholzer and Nurse um, third at at seven percent. I don't know that I appreciate again. I'm not the best X's and O's person, so this is we'll move on quickly here. Um, Boonholzer and Nurse being both third or weird. Maybe Boonholzer's okay. Nurse is a little bizarre. I thought Finch would have gotten more than 14% of the vote, and he might actually be my pick because so much of what the Warriors do just feel like Steph Curry exists, and they're not funneling everything through him, but does the system work as well when Steph Curry isn't there? And I think Chris Finch, um, there's more identifiers to his offense that are independent of a singular player. Um, But I guess I'd have to say, who am I replacing with Boonholzer and Nurse? Um, Carlisle for sure might need to be in there. Maybe Taylor Jenkins for the way that he did get, he did get consideration. He got the, the Grizzlies to play offense last season. Um, like it's not going to be Quinn Snyder's not in the NBA anymore. So that definitely needs to factor in. Um, Steve Nash is not going to get consideration here. I don't know that you should give Michael Malone that much consideration, although him not appearing anywhere on this list is a little bit surprising. Um, so, yeah, I would say that Eric Poelstra should probably be on this list. When you look at how much the Heat have been able to get out of, like, over time, sub, not suboptimal, but just players who aren't known, um, I'd definitely have him over Nick Nurse, I think. Which head coach has the best defensive schemes? Eric Poelstra at one, Nick Nurse at two, and then Tyron Liu, Tom Thibodeau, Ime Udoka, and Monty Williams all tied for third. Uh, also receiving notes, Taylor Jenkins and Michael Malone in Denver. Uh, Tom Thibodeau is absolutely not, does not deserve to be here. He's just never seems like he's waned on his principles, how he wants to defend offensively or defensively. I'm not saying he's the worst coach in the NBA, but being a top five guy or tied for third over, you want to look at it uh, with the defensive schemes. Uh, no, I'm just not putting it there. Which newer relocated head coach will make the biggest impact on his new team? Darvin Ham wins at 48%. Mike Brown in Sacramento at 31%. Steve Clifford in Charlotte at 17%. Will Hardy in Utah at 3%. Hardy's probably a sneaky pick here, but what is he having an impact on when the Jazz are unrecognizable from what they look like last season? Um, I get why Darvin Ham, but he's like he's not going to fix the the fickle fit of everybody on the team. And fickle fit is probably the kindest way to put it. The answer would be Mike Brown. For me, I would also put Steve Clifford ahead of Darvin Ham, not as an insult to Darvin Ham. I just don't know that the Lakers have given him enough to work with to have an impact. Where I think Mike Brown and Steve Clifford could very much, specifically on defense, impact how their personnel is going to play. We'll maybe see it a lot in Charlotte with how committed they are to getting their defense set. And then with some of the lineups that Mike Brown is is running out and getting Sacramento to get their defense set as well. Who's the best assistant coach in the NBA? Kenny Atkinson and with Golden State and Charles Lee with Milwaukee. One, Adrian Griffin was third with Toronto at 7%. Ron Adams in Golden State, Malik Allen in Miami, Sam Cassell in Philly, Chris Fleming in Chicago, Alex Jensen in Utah, Igor Kokoshkov in Brooklyn, and Chris Quinn in Miami also got votes. I think Kenny Atkinson would be the clear answer here for me. Which active player will make the best head coach someday? Chris Paul wins at number one, 32%. Garrett Temple at 14%. CJ McCollum at 7%. Also receiving votes. Patrick Beverly? No. When he's going to have everyone just like working out in Tim's and I'm like calling out. Uh, no, it's not Patrick Beverly. Malcolm Brogdon in Boston, Jalen Brunson in New York, Mike Conley in Utah, Delvadova in Sacramento, Taj Gibson in Washington, 
Draymond Green in Golden State, Andre Godala in Golden State, Kyle Lowry in Miami, TJ McConnell in Indiana, Patty Mills in Brooklyn is weird. Um, Ray John Rondo, who's not in the league right now, and then Ish Smith, Ish, Ish Smith in Denver. Interesting answers there. I wouldn't put Rondo on there at all. I'm surprised Draymond Green wasn't higher. Um, Garrett Temple, I've heard about, like people have talked about how they think that he's in that mold. I'm surprised he's this high. I wouldn't have Chris Paul at the top. He's a genius, but it feels like people hate him. But it feels like there's always just sort of this internal strife on his teams. And I'm not talking about owners, Donald Sterling, Robert Sarver, but just relationship with Blake Griffin and how that seemed to wear down. And then the locker room kind of goes haywire in Phoenix. I'm not saying that's on him, but that like weird emotional strife seems to follow wherever he goes. I might actually go with CJ McCollum in New Orleans, New Orleans. I'm sorry. I keep mispronouncing New Orleans. I've received shit for it. I don't know why I keep doing it. New Orleans, CJ McCollum with the Pelicans. Uh, hopefully Pelicans fans forgive me just given how high I am on your team this season. I think it would be Draymond or I like the CJ McCollum pick here. Um, some of the other a- answers were interesting. I will say that I don't think uh, Conley's interesting. Um, I definitely do not think that Rondo should be on this list though. Just it's Smith being here is just awkward for everyone. Miscellaneous category. Which team is the most fun to watch? The Warriors at one with 52% of the vote. The Grizzlies at two with 28%. Brooklyn at three with 10%. Brooklyn should not be on here. Unless you just like viewing implosive car crashes. Also receiving votes for Boston, Denver, Toronto. Denver, I would have ahead of Brooklyn. I would have a lot of teams ahead of Brooklyn. But Denver and the Pelicans are a big snub for me. Unless you just think that Zion's not going to be healthy. And even then, the way that they were defending at points last year and then having so many different... I don't want to say quirky, but different lineups that they can run. I think that's a a big deal. Which team has the best home court advantage? Toronto won at 21%. I dig that. Boston and Denver were tied at two. Golden State at four with the Jazz. And then the Knicks at six. Also receiving votes, the Heat, the Bucks, and the Sixers. I'm surprised the Sixers weren't up there a little bit more. I'm wondering if the Jazz home court advantage falling is kind of just in response to the team not going to be as good. Um, Toronto at one feels right. I, Golden State is interesting because maybe I'm just I'm waiting too much what used to be at Oracle, and I think people have talked about how it's just been different at Chase Center. Um, so I'm fine with them still being on the list, but yeah, they probably wouldn't be in consideration for number one for me. Which team will have the league's most efficient offense this season? Golden State at one, Milwaukee at two, Denver at three, and then Clippers, Philly, Phoenix tied for fourth. Um, Golden State received an overwhelming share of the votes at 38%. No one else received 17. Um, Atlanta, Brooklyn, and Memphis also got... Um, Picks. I think New Orleans deserve to get a vote. My pick would probably be Denver, though. Uh, I just feel like there are minutes without Steph Curry on the floor that could wind up dragging Golden State's offensive efficiency down, and their calling card has always been their defense, really, um, as an aggregate team. And the other thing is just because they're so reliant on at least a couple of sophomores slash the third-year player, James Wiseman, things could just get weird there. Uh but I, I think Denver would be my pick. I understand why Milwaukee's there because they're just beasts when you look at what they're able to do in transition. Which team's level of success this season is toughest to predict? Brooklyn Nets at 132%. Absolutely. Because they have the range of outcomes where they need to trade everybody because they asked her out uh, and they could be one of the worst teams in the league depending on when that happens. Um, or they could be a title contender if everyone remains healthy. If they stay together, will everyone remain healthy? What does the defense look like? Um, you know, How many games does Kyrie Irving go MIA for? I just... Yeah, it's them. The Lakers at two. I guess they're just not, they're confusing. But like, I think we pretty clearly know that as currently constructed without a trade, they're not going to be one of the top six teams in the West. There might be a pathway to it, but 
I, the Grizzlies at third, yeah, they're harder for me to figure out. I'm trying to figure out if they invested too much internal development by not making more changes this offseason. The Bulls without Lonzo um, tied for fourth with the Pelicans and the Sixers. The Sixers should not be on here. It's just, do you just think that James Harden's going to suck or Joel B won't be healthy? The Clippers, I guess if you're baking in health, the Blazers are a good one. They're a very confusing team. Uh, the Nets would be my pick. I'm more confused on the Grizzlies and the Blazers than anyone else on that list. So they would round out my top three. Which team has the most promising young core? I forget how young everyone is in Cleveland. I'm thinking of rebuilding. But yeah, Cleveland at 41%. Memphis at two at 38%. And then Detroit's third. The Pelicans got a vote, got votes. So did the Thunder and the Magic. I get it. We're looking at like sort of finished teams or could be finished teams in the Cavaliers Grizzlies. So I don't want to displace either one of them. I might have the Pelicans over the Pistons right now, though, and I probably have the Magic over the Pistons as well. Which player is the most athletic? John Morant, 38% of the vote. Over Giannis at 2, 31%. Anthony Edwards is 3. Zion Williamson is 4. LeBron is 5. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I would have him as 5 there. I just, I get LeBron is still hyper athletic. That being an NBA player, you have to be hyper athletic for the most part, but I'm, I'm surprised he got 5th. Zion could win this for me, but I understand why we might. Um, be skeptical of what he looks like post injury or can he stay healthy at all? John Morant or Giannis is probably the, the right answer overall. Which player is the best pure shooter? Steph Curry done. You have Clay and Kevin Durant at two and three. That's just over with. Which player is the fastest with the ball? John Morant is one. Uh, that makes sense. The Aaron Fox at two. He could, he might have a case himself. Giannis, Tyrese Maxey also received votes. Tyrese Maxey, if we're talking like straight line stuff, he might, he might have it. But if you're looking for directionality, it's probably Fox or Morant. Which player is the best at moving without the ball? Steph at one, Clay at two, and then also receiving votes, Mikael Bridges. That's a good one. And Luka Doncic? What? Luka? Like, what? I don't have off-ball tracking data, but I'm just going to hazard that Luka Doncic was among the league's lowest in miles traveled without the ball in his hands on offense. That is so weird. Which player is the best passer? Nicole Jokic at 72%, followed by Luka at two, tied with Chris Paul. That makes sense. And then you have LeBron and Steph also getting votes. I think Steph is an underrated passer. I'm surprised LeBron didn't get more consideration here, especially in front of Chris Paul. Uh, Jokic is the answer for me. You could also, I wouldn't make a case just like Trey Young deserves to be in there as well. I think Darius Garland is probably like higher up on the passing list than people expect. But yeah, those are Ben Simmons could even be in here when we're looking at like the, the top of the line list. Which player is the best leader? Chris Paul and Phoenix at one. Wow. Followed by Steph. He's two. LeBron is three. Giannis is four. Dame is five. I'm going to tell you right now, I'd have Steph, Giannis, and Dame all ahead of Chris Paul at this point. Jimmy Butler got a vote for Miami. Draymond Green got it in Golden State. I'd probably go Steph followed by Giannis and then Dame. And they could all it'd be splitting hairs at this point. Who's the most versatile player in the NBA? Giannis at one, followed by LeBron at two. Kevin Durant and Kawhi were tied at three. Also receiving votes, Paul George and Ben Simmons. Ah, like, I don't like, how are we measuring this? Because Draymond Green should probably be up here. Bam as well. Um, I'm, this is a weird measure of versatility. I probably wouldn't have Kawhi or Durant. I know you're, we're trying to factor in offensive roles as well, but I wouldn't have them. I get why LeBron's there, but Bam deserves to be here. Draymond Green should be up here. I'd have Ben Simmons in front of Durant and Kawhi at this point. Which player has the highest IQ? LeBron at one, 45%. Nikola Jokic at two. Chris Paul at three. Steph at four. Luka at five. I don't have any qualms here. I think that's probably just the right answer. Maybe Steph over Chris Paul, perhaps. Uh, that might be the only one. Which player would you want taking a shot with the game on the line? Steph wins at one, followed by Kevin Durant at two. Dame Lillard at three. Also receiving votes, Damar, Luka, Nikola, Kawhi. 
uh, is it Steph? Like he's might be the single most valuable player in the NBA. I, I get why it's Steph. Like Dame Lillard really does have like more of the track record. And then there is the Kevin Durant aspect of it. So, um, I just, I'm not going to fight. I don't think I would fight the top three, but how did LeBron not get any consideration here? And I do think Jokic probably deserves more consideration because he's been, for the most part, very hyper-efficient in the clutch. I get Kawhi coming off the crunch time season to Marhat. I understand him, Luka as well. Um, I'm, I think maybe we just don't see the Warriors like run stuff through exclusively Steph as much anymore or ever anymore to where I'm like, should he really be over Dame, Durant, Luka? Uh, but I, I don't have huge issues with this list. I'm just curious as to whether um, Steph would be the popular pick among fans. If you're still watching, get at me in the, the comments or on Twitter or on Discord what your pick would be for which player you want to take a shot with the game on the line. I almost kind of wonder if it's LeBron, but am I overrating um, his ability to get to the rim at this point at his age? Uh, finally, what rule regarding play, schedule, draft or lottery, playoff format, etc. most needs to change? The coaches challenge automatic reviews one. Uh, free agency before the draft came in at two. Um, also tied with mandatory draft medical information. The lottery odds and playoff format um, were tied at fourth. And El- um, the Elam ending was tied for sixth with more leeway for defense and the schedule at 7%. Also receiving votes, the luxury tax. You know, Joe Lacob was in that one. Uh, one free throw attempt for all trips. To- one free throw attempt for all trips. The line was on there. No divisions. Uh, then someone wrote nothing. Last year, take transition fouls one. That makes a ton of sense. I'd probably say that the coaches challenge and automatic reviews are the big one. It's how can we, I don't even know if it's the coaches challenge that bother me so much as we need to speed up that process. That now slows the game down and that needs to be addressed after the take foul. Uh, The mandatory draft medical information. I just think players have so little control over where they're going. I can't fight that. I don't give a shit about free agency. Uh, being before the draft or about tampering. I just think we need to enforce the tampering more holistically. Uh, there needs to be more uniform punishments to where you're just not selectively, uh, you know, cr- like cr- punishing teams for their role in that uh, playoff format. I, I like to play in tournament. I will say uh, get rid of divisions though. Get like even get rid of conferences maybe at this point and you could change the schedule from there. I think realistically, if you're looking at something that could feasibly change, the coaches' challenges and automatic reviews, those could very easily be impacted. If you stuck with me through this whole thing, it was longer than I expected. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Please remember to rate, review, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and also subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that sub button if you're watching. Like the video, help the algorithm love us back. Follow Hardwood Ox on the socials. All of them are in the podcast and YouTube descriptions. Until next time, and as always, I leave the shout out to the one, the only, the legendary. How did he not appear as the most versatile player in the NBA? Frank Nielakina. <laughs>